0: Hello and welcome to the New Life Lutheran podcast where New Life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. I'm Eric Anderson, Discipleship Pastor here at New Life Lutheran Church. Today on the podcast we are finishing up our Life Together conversation with Pastor Ben and our Youth Director Tim Thompson. It's an introductory conversation exploring various aspects of life together and addressing specifically how to live life in small groups within a church. Here at New Life Lutheran Church, we have what's called life groups, which is a fairly broad term to describe various sizes of groups that have various affinities with each other. We are intentionally open-ended with our groups and allow our leaders to decide how they want to operate their groups, when they'll meet, and some of those issues. We know every church does it a little bit differently. This is how we do it here. And so we deal with some general topics about how to live life together in small groups. I think that these conversations have been really great and will continue to bear good fruit. Thanks for listening. You can catch our podcast at nlutheranpodcast.com. You can find it on iTunes, Apple Podcast, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. Let's get growing.
1: So my question is, how do you uh, or what do you do when a person shuts down? What do you do when a person stops sharing? Because obviously that's detrimental to a life group. If you have a person who consistently comes and just says, oh, everything's fine. Everything's fine. What do you do in order to sustain that life group? Uh,
2: That's a tough thing. I think going to that person, and and it's going to have to be the leader, right? So every group has a leader. I mean, that's the person who organizes and, and does all that stuff. So every group naturally has a leader. And if you don't, you know, that makes it a lot harder, but typically by personality or organizational skills or whatever, everyone has a leader. And I, so I think it's just a matter of being really intentional about going to that person and saying, Hey, what's going on privately. Cause obviously they're having some issues sharing publicly. So privately and just saying, Hey, this is what we're seeing. Uh, we want you to trust us and be open and honest when you respond this way, it's not helping you. It's not helping us. And so for example, to go back to what I was talking about, that little hub of pastors, all it really would have taken to continue those relationships and, and make it effective is something we didn't do, which you think a group of pastors would be really good at this. Uh, but obviously that was not the case. You know, one, the leader or one of us should have gone to him and said, here's the deal. When you say every week that your marriage is perfect and has always been perfect, this basically makes us feel like you're being incredibly deceitful to us or you're, you know, being dishonest or whatever that is. And so and that limits the conversation. So what if we would have done that, he probably would have opened up and said, here's the reality I'm living in. That would have continued the conversation. Or at the very least what he could have said is, hey, right now, my marriage is, you know, really good and healthy and we've really matured well as a relationship. But before then these were the spots and that that would have opened up the conversation and that's why it's always important to admit your faults to people because it allows them to be honest with you and that's why whenever i do marriage counseling one of the first things i tell them is that the first year of my marriage was just horrible it was it was rough and if we weren't believers we would have walked the other way and not looked back now now it's much better but i always start there because that gives people the freedom to say okay She nitpicks me about this or that and gives them the freedom to be honest because they know I'm not judging them. And whenever you say I'm perfect, this is good, this is that, and everyone else is, Oh, I struggle here. I struggle here. It doesn't have to be the same thing. We can all have unique struggles, but then they know this person's not sitting on the seat of judgment. And if they're not sitting on the seat of judgment, that means they're not trying to be the judge. They're trying to be
0: an advocate for me. So, in our life groups, the mission of, of life groups at New Life is to be a natural expression of Christian community where there's life sharing, intentional caring, encouraged calling, and faithful living. So in our, the way that we have them now is that that's communicated to the leaders, that that's the expectation, is that life sharing is going to happen. And that doesn't mean that we wanna drudge up what's bad, Right, like I said, it doesn't always have to be bad, but if someone's continuing being closed off, I do think that's the place of the leader, or a couple of the people who kind of lead it, just can step in and just have that conversation with that person, without being super judgy about it or harsh about it, um, but just saying, hey, this is an expectation in our life groups is that we share life with one another, and there are going to be some people whose personalities they just they just don't feel as comfortable just needs to be that, that person will just need to be coached and will need to be shown that you don't necessarily need to talk about bad things or even deep things, but just being willing to talk about life that is true to how things actually are. So being honest about your life is the important thing. So if things are going well, you can have that conversation. Hey, I'm really glad that God's put me in the place that I am. I love my job, love my coworkers you know, here's what I, here's what I hope for myself and for my coworkers. I, my relationship's going really, really well. My friendships are going really, really well. Here are some ways that I think that I could do better. I mean, you know, you can have that conversation without it being bad or negative. Um, but just giving that person some coaching and this just saying, this is an expectation that in, in our life groups, in our life together, we need to be willing to share with one another
1: you know it's not always going to be like that it's not always you know like we said it's not always going to be crisis mode because you don't live life crisis to crisis but i think it's important for your life group to be there for you and to share your pain uh bible says to share one another's burdens and so we should um not just not just hear but actually share so what does it mean to actually share one another's burdens the way that I think about it is that when,
0: when something bad happens to somebody, that's a really heavy weight that they're carrying on their shoulders. And when we're able to communicate that and to cry with people and to pray with people about that, those issues going on that it makes that burden lighter. So when we can all carry each other's pain a little bit, that makes it easier on everybody in the long run. Um, so losing a loved one can be incredibly difficult, and in fact, impossible. I mean, sometimes to handle. Um, so you might shut down, or you might turn to substances or whatever. Um, but it can be really, really difficult to handle that situation of losing a loved one. But when you can walk, th- when you can walk through that pain with somebody, that actually makes it easier on you. When you're able to talk about it to cry with somebody, um, to have people check in on you. Um, that's, that actually helps you psychologically process that pain and it makes you a healthier individual as well. So if we all carry each other's pain, a little bit of each other's pain, it makes it easier on all of us, uh, to carry that pain. And so that's what, you know, in pastoral ministry, we talk about when we're taught, uh, how to handle, Grief and specifically how to do grief counseling. One of the most important things with grief counseling is the follow-up. So it's not just if someone loses a parent or loses a loved one, um, it's not just being there, there for them in that moment while they're processing that, but also establishing long term relationships that that person can be checked in on often and several times over the next couple of years. Because that's how long it takes to process that. So I think when we talk about pain sharing, I really think we're just talking about we're talking about processing that pain with other people through conversation. Um, I think it's just being honest. Um, you're if you're the one going through that pain, it's just being honest about how you are psychologically. Talking through that, having a couple of close people that you can um, talk to about the ups and downs, because that that's that inevitably happens when something like that happens. So that's what I think of when I think of pain sharing is that when something bad is going on in somebody's life, in the context of a life group, you might have four, eight, 12 other people that can help you bear that pain, that can be checking in on you through that pain, um, that can be walking with you through that loss, that will be there for you and asking how you're doing and checking in on you. And that helps you stay connected. So you're not just in the thought, in the obsessive thought spiral of, Sadness or depression that keeps you connected with the real world, but it also helps you um, think about what happened.
2: As you guys asked that, the initial question was, "What does community look like?" And then Tim kind of, you know, took it in the same direction but slightly different. And as I, as he was talking, as you guys were both talking, the the word that came to mind was availability. And I think about like I have a guy back home where I grew up. I, I referred to him as my best friend. We talk like once a year and, but I still think of him as my best friend. We aren't checking in on each other and talking consistently we're not even near each other. In fact, I haven't seen him in probably like six years or something now. You know, I haven't seen some of his kids. He hasn't seen my daughter. You know, these are just the realities we live in. However, I know that if I needed him, he'd be available. When it comes to community and real true community is what we're all seeking for and longing for. And what we ho- what we hope to experience in church and life groups and, and family is availability. Is that, hey, you don't need to be constantly in my ear or talking to me or holding my hand or any of those things. But when I need you, are you going to be there? And I think one of the beauties of of life groups is that when you have a good life group and tragedy strikes, that's who shows up. That who That's who makes themselves available. It doesn't matter how busy their schedule is. doesn't matter what's going on. They stop what they're doing and they're available when you ask or when they become aware of it. And so that's what I think of when I think of true community, especially when it comes to life groups is that availability. I'm making myself available to you. It might be inconvenient. It might even be scary. But when tragedy strikes, when pain strikes, when those things strikes, And those things strike that that's what a life group does. That's, and we see that in communities where there's large tragedy, people show up and they clean up after a tornado. Uh, and we should definitely see that. And I expect to see that in a life group. And that's why when tragedy strikes, with somebody with that's in a healthy life group. As I'm running to the hospital, as I'm running to wherever the people I call are the life group members. And that's who shows up. That's who's there praying with me. That's who's there comforting the family because when they're in true community, they make themselves available and then they're to, to carry that pain and help out. So I think at the crux of community is availability because I can be in a town, in a setting in range of people, but unless I'm available to their needs, I don't think that's really the community or the full community that, that that word implies.
0: Yeah, I think there's a vulnerability that comes with that. My time might be imposed on, and also my emotional state might be imposed on. Because when a friend has something really traumatic happen to them, what we're talking about is pain sharing. It's actually sharing that pain. So everyone suffers a little bit um, when something like that happens. So it actually, like, uh, that availability is opening opening myself up to the possibility of being hurt and of feeling the pain that a friend of mine is, is experiencing. I think that's another really important thing.
1: Yeah. I like that. You said, um uh, emotional state as well with pain sharing. Cause another thing I don't like to be emotional in front of people. And that just goes back to trusting people. Um, and so, you know, with availability and just being open and vulnerable to pain sharing, um that's definitely something that has to be coached with people uh it's not something that people are automatically going to be good at um and at the same time you don't always have to say something you know people automatically think oh well you just lost someone here let me what are words that I could say and that's not always the case uh just being available just being emotionally available um and physically available to those to your friends to your life group uh, is really helpful.
2: When I when I was in college, and my my best friend, his sister got really badly injured in a snowmobile accident. Talk about availability. I didn't know what to do. I didn't have any words to say. I hadn't taken any of those classes yet. I was not a seasoned pastor. I, w- I was twenty, right? And so, when that happened, my natural reaction, you know, all of our natural reaction, is to do what everyone does in a crisis: we run the other way, right? So it's actually really abnormal for people to run at a crisis. You know, that's why we have firemen and and EMTs and things like that. Like those people actually trained to run into everything that people are running away from. In that moment, it was just like God speaking to me and said, just be available. goes back to that word, right? So be available. So I went to the hospital every weekend for, I don't remember. It felt like forever every weekend because she was in extreme care, for a long, long time. And so I just went and existed. I didn't have words to say, you know, we would pray sometimes, but really we would just exist. And I was just there. I couldn't do anything. I was not medically trained. There there was, I was not a surgeon. You know, I wasn't even pastorally cha- trained at the time. I just existed and being near him and talking to him and existing with him. And we even watched some movies and played some video games. I remember that was just helpful. So he could know that I was available just huge. And I think that relieves that tension of, and I step into this moment, I have to say something really spiritual or bring comfort through word or, or some special deed or skill set. And the reality is just being available to people and letting them know that they're not alone is, is a huge deal that I have someone in partnership with me through this pain. If I simply ask, or simply turn because they're right there.
0: Well, and I think another thing is, Tim, to your point where you you don't you're not a particularly emotional person. I don't think you need to be an emotional person in order to be available emotionally. So I think this is a this is a great example of when our gifts and our personality and our talents come into play. So when we're in a life group or when we're in a community, and something happens. It's important to know what you're good at and what you're not good at. So I'm not that great at, I'm not that great at processing emotions. And it sounds like you might not be either. That it's like get pretty uncomfortable when it's like a really highly emotional moment. But what I do is when I'm in, in a crisis situation like that, I become the peacemaker. Where checking in with people, making sure that they're okay. If someone needs, you know, making sure that we have whatever, food for people that we have, everybody's been talked to, everybody's processed emotions. So I play more of like a coaching role in a crisis situation. And my wife is totally different. She would never be comfortable doing that. She's way more comfortable listening, not necessarily talking to people, but listening to people through and letting them process their emotions. I don't like listening to people be emotional. (laughs) So I think that that's, that's another thing. Another big thing is that that availability doesn't necessarily mean that when somebody, something horrible happens and somebody's crying, that you also are like crying. I don't think that's what that means. I think it just means that you're there for that person doing what God has given you to do. Um, based on your, like, spiritual gifts and personality. The, if you can be an encouragement, if you can be an encouragement to them, then you encourage. If you can be of service to them, then you serve. Um, if you can help them take care of, like, medical paperwork, then, like, you like you have the gifts of administration, then, like, you help them do that. It's just I didn't, knowing what you do well and then helping that person with what they need. Um, so I think that that's kind of where that pain-sharing comes in with in a group context is that not all of us are going to be good at everything. And so we just need to do what we're good at. What happens if you're in a life group, a small group, and you realize that somebody in that group, there's just not a good fit and it's not producing health. What do you do?
2: You know, when it comes to life groups, a lot of times we, we surround ourselves by affinity, right? So it goes back to that idea of community is developed on commonality. And so when we look at life groups, we try to do the same things. But oftentimes, when we were just launching life groups, like this idea of life groups is really, you know, this is a baby in our church. Many churches have been doing this for a long time, so they're veterans. But we're just starting it, which means we're going to start a lot of groups that aren't going to have the best commonalities. We're just trying to get people in and get them exposed to the idea. And the idea is beautiful and everyone should be in a life group, but not everyone should be in a life group with each other. And uh, you're going to run into that and that's the reality we're going to live in. Just like when you went to college, you had a friend group the first semester and then you don't talk to them anymore. In fact, you're not even Facebook friends because that's how disconnected you were. Because at first you just wanted a relationship And then you realize that that was not the relationship you wanted to be in, right? And so that's, that's humanity. We navigate these things and we figure these things out. And so we're, we're drawn in on that commonality. And so how we said it at my, the last church I was at is have easy on ramps and easy off ramps. And so if you're feeling that tension of like, Hey, this isn't working or this or that, or that person's kind of. Like just, it doesn't work. Like we're all farmers and that person is a doctor. I don't know, whatever the the issue is, you know, it's creating those off ramps. And so I think sometimes if you're aware of it, they're probably aware of it, but they just don't want to be rude. And so sometimes it's just an easy solution of creating an easy off ramp of saying, Hey, we're going to do this study. We're a new life group and we have 20 members, but we know that's really not sustainable because you know, Jesus had 12 and that was pretty much the max. And one of those didn't work out so well. So let's do this series for a month or let's have this conversation for a couple months. And at the end, if you think that there's a better life group for you, or this isn't the best for you, that's, that's fine. And we're going to celebrate when you get connected or start your own and creating those off ramps allowing people to say, okay, I can leave and it's okay. Allows that breakup to happen. And it's a lot less painful. Then when they have to come out and say, this isn't working, but creating that opportunity for them to say, Hey, you know, I'm going to go in a different direction and being okay with that. Now, as a leader and as a pastor, I can tell you, anytime someone leaves a church, goes to a different church visits and doesn't come back, that hurts. And it will hurt you probably as a leader too, that you'll take it personally, but you can't because your ultimate goal is that they're connected into a group that brings life, right? That's why we call it life groups. And so creating opportunities for them to step out in a healthy way, giving the opportunity. Most people will self-select because they know when something's not working or when one cog doesn't quite, quite fit.
0: Yeah. One of the big things that I push, um, with our life groups starting, you know, I'm pretty new here. And so we've just started these conversations with our life groups, but it's, it's about being really intentional with your life group. So you're very intentional with, where you meet, when you meet, how often you meet, you make a decision and you stick to it um, and you communicate that decision well. And I think that that's exactly what that on-ramp and off-ramp is, is that you just need to be really intentional because I think what happens is that we have rose-colored glasses when it comes to Christian community and we're just like, oh, it's going to be great and we're going to be really authentic and we're going to talk about what's going on in our lives and, it's, and then you get into the thick of it and personalities don't mix well, or some people's, you know, some person isn't interested in the study you're doing and they're gone for half the time. And so having those on those really intentional off ramps where you can have those breakups and it's not, it's not awkward and it's not weird, but it's like, Hey, we're coming to the end of this study. This is going to be a great opportunity for some of you. If you want to move on to a different life group, or if you want to start your own, this is when that can happen. And the leader just being able to communicate that really well to the life group, that that's the case. Um, and then, then they, that person can leave with grace and with dignity and it's not awkward and it's not weird. And people aren't like wondering why they left. It's just like a very clear, Oh, like that was, they were, the study was finished and they felt like they wanted to do something else. So they went on and it's not bad. It just is what it is. Um, so I think that intentionality is really, really important
2: at one point in time in my life, I was leading a college life group. And uh, we use the term college, right? So that was the commonality that the group is supposed to have. But we realized far too soon that that commonality was too general. And uh, in our modern day, I mean, like everyone's going to college in some capacity, it seems. And so you have, you know, your classic, hey, I'm 18, I go to my four year, or I'm going to the community college in the area. But then you have the the mom who's the kids are gone. And so I'm going back to school or the 50 year old who's like, Hey, I've hated my job for 25 years. So I'm going to go and I'm going to do this. And so now there are college students. And so what we ran into is we had this hodgepodge of awkwardness where it's like, yeah, the classic 20 year old college student. And then you had a 35 year old college student. And then like anyone could fit in that category. And so,
0: so what you're saying, Ben, is that, you guys were the show community.
2: Yeah, we essentially were, I was the Chevy chase in this scenario. (laughs) So I was leading this group and all these ages were in there and it was getting awkward and uncomfortable and it's really hard to communicate when you don't have like real commonality. And so what we decided to do was we set an age demographic and said, okay, we're not gonna call it college anymore. We're gonna call it young adults. And young adults in our mindset was 18 to 25. And so what we began to do was all those who are above that age demographic, I just went to them and said, Hey guys, this is where we're going and you're above this age. And so you're not going to fit. The commonality is not going to work. And there's something better for you. But what we decided to do was have a private conversation and then we celebrated them. And that's a big part of it is celebrate that people are finding a different, different venue that works for them. And so We just went to the group and said, Hey, we're, we're 18 to 25. And so when you go above 25, we're going to launch you into a different life group that works better for you. And will help you move forward in your adulthood and your, and your faith. And then we celebrate them. So we, I would go to Dairy Queen and get an ice cream cake for them and put their face on it. It was a great time. And then we celebrated them. Right. And so that made it less awkward, even though it was kind of painful for them, because that's what they had known for. X amount of years. And now that wasn't what they were going to know. And later on, I was in a a life group as well as a married adult. And we called kind of like what Tim's life group is, is young adults with no kids. I can't remember what we called it. It was, I'm sure something really catchy and awesome, but basically the crux of it was you can't have kids to go to this life group. Right. And that was it. Like if you had kids, you weren't allowed in our life group. That was our commonality. We were young adults with no kids. And so because we were so clear cut of what we were and what we weren't, that when a couple would get pregnant um, or a couple tried to come in with kids, that was the commonality we had. And so it did, it did create a natural off ramp that created clarity And I think what you're going to see as you navigate your life group is you're going to find what your commonality is that really works and allows you guys to engage with each other. And you're going to find out that what you thought it was, isn't that. And it's just a matter of having those conversations and reengaging with what you're really about holding on to that commonality. And that's, what's going to unite you and allow you to move forward and also will allow you to have clarity of who doesn't fit, who's not going to fit. And, uh, We actually see that in, in the Bible as well. When Jesus goes around he's asking all his people, "Follow follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, be my disciples. And, and he was clear cut of, this is what this means, right? To be a disciple is to become a carbon copy of me and to live life like me. And so we see Jesus goes to the fishermen, they opt in, Matthew opts in. We see the, the rich young ruler that he says to him, Hey, follow me but this is what you have to do. You have to live like me, which means I want you to give all your money to the poor and the guy opts out. Right. And so I think the same thing in life groups is if you have a clear cut purpose and core of who you are, then people will naturally opt in or opt out. And and sometimes you just avoid those issues altogether. But sometimes it takes the harder work of reorienting what the group is about and then holding everyone to task when it comes to that and having some of those harder conversations.
0: Yeah, I think it's important that we just have to, we have to decide beforehand that we're not gonna be offended by that. Because I think that's what happens is that when you have a group that's too broad and too big, then it almost becomes, then it is personal. When it's not working, it's like, well, our, our life group is working, but just not with you. And so what that allows us to do by being really intentional about what our life groups are and how they operate is that we can we can remove the personal out of the equation. And we just have to go into a life group deciding that I'm not gonna be offended when this happens. We can't be offended by these on and off ramps. We can't be offended when somebody doesn't wanna be part of our life group. We just have to be okay with that. Um, because we can find and create something that's better for that person than this.